0: Good day. You are listening to Your Community Spirit with Or the Energy Mon. And this is Tree Song. And we have a special guest today, Gregory Vickery of the Tungus Conservation Society, who will present Roads to Nowhere, a slideshow, next Tuesday, March 7th at 7.30 p.m. at the SIUC Student Center Auditorium in Carbondale. Um, we have, I don't know, about seven minutes because we want to play a bunch of uh, the Vagina Monologues, which will be here this weekend. Um, Gregory, would you like to talk about your um, presentation in your slideshow?
1: Yeah, um, if if and when folks uh, come to the slide presentation, it's a pretty dynamic thing. Um, I try to make it as personal as possible because I do live in the Tongass. um, So you'll hear me talk about my dogs quite a bit. Um, But in addition to that, uh, you'll see the good, the bad, and the ugly of the Tongass uh, National Forest. Um, Lots of beautiful shots of the area. Uh, areas of, with which I'm very familiar, and uh, you also see some of the methods uh, promoted by the Forest Service and the logging industry within our forests. Uh, some of the some of the highlights are the fact that um, currently there are over 5,000 miles of logging roads um, throughout the Tongass, and that's a, you know that's enough roads uh, to provide a um, to provide a highway between Seattle and Miami, and then up to Boston. Um, but we also we also want to make sure people realize and, and recognize the beauty of the area, and and to finally realize that each of us as taxpayers own own the own the, the Tongass National Forest itself.
2: Yes, and it's it, it helps you know I'm sure throughout the presentation you will present little comparisons like that because to a lot of people five thousand miles they may not quite grasp that, but distances help. Right. And so will you also have ways to um, suggestions of ways that people who come can take action and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and just to highlight those, there are a couple uh, of ways. The Alaska Coalition, which is um, an organization that um, does a a lot of activism for um, Alaska's wildlands in the lower 48, will be talking about methodologies to contact your your congressmen and women um, to um, pressure them and, and to ask them to support any any legislation that does come down to uh, either remove these subsidies or limit these subsidies and promote multi-use on our national forests, not just the Tongass, but all of our national forests. And then, uh, sort of secondary to that, but just as important, um, organizations like mine um, live and breathe in, within the Tongass and, and want to focus on the work that we do on the ground. And there are ways to uh, stay in touch with us if you have interest and and create connections with uh, the communities of Southeast Alaska. So when we have an issue on our national forest or with mining or with recycling, all the things that we pay attention to that may be important to your area of the country too, in Southern Illinois, um, there are ways to create those connections and and organizations like mine are willing and able to do that because we do have certain expertise based on where we live that may be applicable applicable to um, areas areas like Southern Illinois where you guys live.
0: I look forward to your presentation because I think you're going to have a lot of, well, pictures of where you live.
1: Absolutely. Um, Tons of photos um, which, again, show the good and the bad and the ugly on on the Tongass. Lots of wildlife shots, uh, lots of brilliant tree shots um, showing you the giant species of trees like the Sitka spruce and the western hemlock that we have uh, throughout the Tongass. We'll also do some comparison work um, uh, showing what second growth looks like in comparison to an old-growth forest and um, show you some of the areas that are slated to be cut in the next several years, um, including this year, um, areas that are majestic in quality and roadless by nature.
0: I think I'm going to come to your presentation, well, first of all, just to see the beauty of, um, well, Alaska. I've always wanted to go, and so this will be a cheap way to go.
3: Yeah, Yeah,
1: absolutely. And, again, I urge people, uh, anyone who's interested, who's listening and and, and is unable to come, um, I urge folks to visit our website, which is www.tongasconservation.org, and uh, there's some information there, but there's also, more importantly, I think, is our contact information. You can reach us, and we're willing and able to share stories and photos and, and really uh, help you to capture the essence uh, that is Southeast and convince you to come and visit. Uh, my house is always
0: open. So. That was going to be my next question, can I come visit you? <laughs> Absolutely, as long as you don't have dog allergies, I have a couple.
2: Yeah, so then once again, that's that, that is the website, and if you want to make it to the actual presentation that's coming up too, hopefully you can even check out both, but it's going to be this coming Tuesday, March 7th at 7.30 p.m. at the SIU Student Center Auditorium here in Carbondale.
0: And I want to thank you for coming in. How do we get in touch
2: with you again?
1: Um again you can go through the website or you can uh, email me directly. My email address is Gregory at Tongasconservation.org. Thank you. And
0: again, very anybody much.
1: anybody with any from any perspective um, with any sort of questions or concerns or interests in Southeast Alaska is is welcome to contact
0: me. Well thank you very much for this opportunity to have you on our show.
1: Yeah, Um, I appreciate the time to chat, and uh, it's good to be back home in Illinois.
0: And we actually record this to put on our website, yourcommunityspirit.org, so you're going to get the chance to listen to yourself talk.
1: Sounds good. (laughs) I have not
0: gone there and listened to myself yet, but (laughs) I will. Thank you very much, and have a good day. I appreciate it, guys. You are listening to a special edition of Your Community Spirit. We are next going to play, well, the Vagina Monologues, because... The Vagina Monologues are playing well this weekend. It'd help if I had the paper in my hand. This Friday at 7.30 and Saturday at 7.30. And um, and then Sunday at 2.30 p.m. And that's um, all the proceeds from this event goes to the Women's Center. So listen and enjoy.
3: Random House Audible presents The Vagina Monologues. This is Eve Ensler. Introduction. I am not sure why I was chosen. I didn't, for example, have girlhood fantasies about becoming Vagina Lady, which I am often called sometimes loudly across a crowded shoe store. I could not have imagined that I would one day be talking about vaginas on talk shows in places like Athens, Greece, chanting the word vagina with 4,000 wild women in Baltimore, or having 32 public orgasms a night. These things were not in my plans. In this sense, I don't think I had much to do with the vagina monologues. It possessed me. I see now that I was a prime candidate. I was a playwright. I had for years written plays based on interviews with people. I was a feminist. I had been violated sexually and physically by my father. I had exhibitionist tendencies. I had been known to outrage. And I longed with all of my being to find a way back into my vagina. I don't really remember how it began. A conversation with an older woman about her vagina her saying contemptuous things about her genitals that shocked me and got me thinking about what other women thought about their vaginas. I remember asking friends who surprised me with their openness and willingness to talk. There was one friend in particular who told me that if her vagina got dressed, it would wear a beret. She was going through a French phase. I definitely do not remember writing the piece. Simply put, I was taken, used by the Vagina Queen's. I never outlined the play or consciously shaped it. As a matter of fact, the whole process was totally off the record. I interviewed women about their vaginas while I was writing my real play. It was my partner, Ariel Or Jordan, who I am now convinced was somehow on the payroll of the Vagina Queens, who got me to take it seriously and helped me conceive the piece and make a plan. But even then to some degree the vagina monologues has never really been any of my business i show up i exercise to stay in shape i drink plenty of power mocha frappuccinos i try to stay out of the way here for example are some of the mysteries i was never a performer it did not occur to me that i was actually performing the vagina monologues until i had been doing it for about three years Before this point I felt merely as if I were telling very personal stories that had been generously told to me. I felt strangely and at times fiercely protective of these women and their stories. I could not move when I was telling the stories. I had to remain seated in a high back stool with a place to rest my feet. It was like climbing into a spaceship every night. I had to speak into a microphone, even in places where I could easily be heard. The microphone functioned as a kind of steering wheel at times, an accelerator at others. For the first years, I needed to wear stockings and heavy boy shoes to perform the piece. Then later, once my director, Joe Mantella, got me to take off my shoes, I could only do it barefoot. I had to hold five-by-eight cards in my hands all through the performance every night, even though I had the piece memorized. It was as if the women I had interviewed were made present by those cards— and I needed them there with me. Vagina stories found me, as did the people who wanted to produce the play or bring it to their town. Whenever I have tried to write a monologue to serve a politically correct agenda, for example, it always fails. Note the lack of monologues about menopause or transgendered women. I tried. The vagina monologues is about attraction, not promotion. Many things that have happened in the life of the Vagina Monologue seem completely surreal and at the same time completely logical. Here are examples. Newspaper headlines. That girl goes down there. Marlo Thomas in the Vagina Monologues. Mayor's wife talks dirty. Donna Hanover's decision to be in the Vagina Monologues. Red Boas on the front page of six London papers the day after V-Day at the Old Vic. Newsstands in Britain look like the vagina sea. TV. Kathy Lee Gifford chants the word vagina with Callista Flockhart and her studio audience on Live with Regis and Kathy Lee. David Letterman tries to say vagina, but can't. Barbara Walters confesses on The View that she was embarrassed by the vagina monologues and thought it was strident. She later recants. CNN does a 10 minute special on the vagina monologues and never mentions the word. Dharma and Greg's parents are buying tickets to the vagina monologues on an episode. Vagina Occurrences Glenn Close gets 2,500 people to stand and chant the word cunt. Tova Feldmanstern was denied the right to direct the vagina monologues at her all girls progressive high school, so she directs it independently. A woman rabbi sends me a hamantash and describes its vaginal meanings. There is now a cunt workshop at Wesleyan University. A woman brings her uterus to the theater to have me sign it. A young man makes and serves me a vagina salad for dinner with his parents in Atlanta, Georgia. Bean sprouts are pubic hair. Roseanne performs "What does your vagina smell like?" in her underwear for 2,000 people. She makes up her own lines. One of them being. What does your vagina smell like? Answer, my husband's face. Alanis Morissette and Audra McDonald sing the cunt piece. Women and men faint during the show. It happens a lot, always at the exact same place in the script. People bring and send objects, vagina products, vagina glass hand sculptors, clit lollipops, vagina puppets, vulva lamps, cone-shaped art pieces. There is a huge vagina cake in London at the V-Day party, and no one can cut it. Hundreds of sophisticated party-goers eat mauve vagina cake with their hands. The clit is auctioned off and Tandy Newton buys it for 200 pounds. The Vagina Monologues opens and is published in over 20 countries, including China and Turkey. V-Day has an impossible time raising money from corporations. Even companies that sell vaginal products refuse to associate with the word. Women call up for tickets to the monologues. Men ask for tickets to the Vagina Chronicles. The punk ticket seller tells women that if they can't say it, they can't come. A young corporate woman bursts into my dressing room to tell me she really isn't dry. It's a lie. Two older Israeli women rush my dressing room in Jerusalem and hug me while I'm naked. They don't even notice. A 70-year-old man in a trance walks into my dressing room unannounced after a show to tell me that he finally got it. Two months later, he brings his girlfriend back with him, and she thanks me. Midwives storm the dressing room to thank me for finally appreciating bodily excretions. A drag queen performs the vagina monologues on closing night. Vagina miracles, sightings, and occurrences. They go on. The greatest miracle, of course, is V-Day. An energy, a movement, a catalyst, a day to end violence toward women. Born out of the vagina monologues. As I traveled with the piece to city after city, country after country, hundreds of women waited after the show to talk to me about their lives. The play had somehow freed up their memories, pain, and desire. Night after night I heard the same stories Women being raped as teenagers, in college, as little girls, as elderly women. Women who had finally escaped being beaten to death by their husbands. Women who were terrified to leave. Women who were taken sexually before they were even conscious of sex by their stepfathers, brothers, cousins, uncles, mothers, and fathers. I began to feel insane, as if a door had opened to some underworld and I was being told things I was not supposed to know knowing these things was dangerous. Slowly, it dawned on me that nothing was more important than stopping violence toward women. That the desecration of women indicated the failure of human beings to honor and protect life, and that this failing would, if we did not correct it, be the end of us all. I do not think I am being extreme. When you rape, beat, maim, mutilate, burn, bury, and terrorize women, you destroy the essential life energy on the planet. You force what is meant to be open, trusting, nurturing, creative, and alive to be bent, infertile, and broken. In 1997, I met with a group of activist women, many from a group called Feminist.com, and we formed V-Day. As with all the mysterious vagina happenings, we show up, we do the groundwork, we stay in shape, and the Vagina Queens do the rest. On February 14, 1998, Valentine's Day, our first V-Day was born. 2,500 people lined up outside the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City for our first outrageous event. Whoopi Goldberg, Susan Sarandon, Glenn Close, Winona Ryder, Marissa Tomei, Shirley Knight, Lois Smith, Kathy Jimmy, Callista Flockhart, Lily Tomlin, Hazel Goodman, Margaret Cho, Hannah Ensler Revel, Betty, Klesmer, Women, Yulali, Phoebe Snow, Gloria Steinem, Soraya Murray, and Rosie Perez joined together to perform the Vagina Monologues and created a transforming evening that raised over a hundred thousand dollars and launched the V-Day movement. Since then, there have been stellar events at the Old Vic in London in nineteen ninety nine with performers including Kate Blanchett, Kate Winslet, Melanie Griffith, Mira Syal, Julius Walla, Jolie Richardson, Ruby Wax, Eddie Reader, Katie Puckrick, Danny Bear, Natasha McAlone, Sophie Dahl, Jane Lapater, Tandy Newton, and Gillian Anderson. In two thousand, V Day was celebrated in Los Angeles, Santa Fe, Sarasota, Aspen, and Chicago. In three years, V-Day has happened at over 300 colleges with performances of the Vagina Monologues directed and performed by students and faculty. All the productions raise money and consciousness for local groups that work to stop violence toward women. The off-Broadway production of the Vagina Monologues will raise nearly $1 million for V-Day. Subsequent productions around the country and the world will support the movement as well. At this point... The V-Day Fund is supporting grassroots groups around the world, where, in several cases, women are fighting with their lives to protect women and end the violence. In Afghanistan, there is RAWA, Revolutionary Association of the Women of Afghanistan, a group devoted to liberating women from the terrible oppression of the Taliban. There, women are not allowed to work, to be educated, to go to the doctor, or to leave their house without a male escort. There, women are being buried under their burqas without any protection from rape or murder. The VIDE Fund is helping Rawa educate women in clandestine schools, documenting illegal executions, and building a women's movement. In Kenya, Africa, we are supporting tsara and Tamanuk, the Safe Motherhood Initiative, part of Mandaleo, a project that is stopping the practice of young girls being genitally mutilated by introducing a new coming-of-age ritual without the cut. Recently, we were able to buy them a red Jeep so they can travel more easily from village to village as they continue the education and prevention. In Croatia, we are working with the Center for Women War Victims, which through our support will open the first rape crisis center in the former Yugoslavia. The center will also be able to train women in Kosovo and Chechnya to work with women in those countries who have been raped and traumatized during the war. v is working in collaboration with Planned Parenthood to implement within their already existing programs a strategy to prevent and end violence toward women. The list goes on and on. The miracle of V-Day, like the vagina monologues, is that it happened because it had to happen. A call perhaps an unconscious mandate perhaps i surrender to the vagina queens something is unfolding it is both mystical and practical it requires that we show up do our exercise and get out of the way in order for the human race to continue women must be safe and empowered it's an obvious idea but like a vagina it needs great attention and love in order to be revealed. The Vagina Monologues I bet you're worried. I was worried. That's why I began this piece. I was worried about vaginas. I was worried what we think about vaginas and even more worried that we don't think about them. I was worried about my own vagina. It needed a context, a community, a culture of other vaginas. There is so much darkness and secrecy surrounding them, like the Bermuda Triangle. No one ever reports back from there. In the first place, it's not so easy to even find your vagina. Women go days, weeks, months without looking at it. I interviewed a high-powered businesswoman. She told me she didn't have time. Looking at your vagina, she said, is a full day's work. You've got to get down there, on your back, in front of a mirror, full-length preferred. You've got to get in the perfect position with the perfect light, which then becomes shadowed by the angle you're at. You're twisting your head up, arching your back. It's exhausting. She was busy. She didn't have time. So I decided to talk to women about their vaginas. They began as casual vagina interviews, and they turned into vagina monologues. I talked to over 200 women. I talked to younger women, older women, married women, lesbians, single women. I talked to corporate professionals, college professors, actors, sex workers. I talked to African-American women, Asian-American women, Native American women, Hispanic women, Caucasian women, Jewish women, okay. At first, women were a little shy, a little reluctant to talk. But once they got going, you couldn't stop them. Women love to talk about their vaginas. They do, really. Mainly because no one's ever asked them before. Let's just start with the word vagina. Vagina. It sounds like an infection at best. Maybe a medical instrument. Hurry, nurse. Bring the vagina. Vagina. (laughs) Vagina. It doesn't matter how many times you say the word, it never sounds like a word you want to say. It's a completely ridiculous, totally unsexy word. If you use it during sex, trying to be politically correct, you kill the act right there. I am worried about vaginas. What we call them and don't call them. In Great Neck, they call it a pussycat. A woman told me there her mother used to tell her, don't wear panties, dear, underneath your pajamas. You need to air out your pussycat. In Westchester, they call it a pookie. In New Jersey, a twat. There's Powderbox, Derriere, a poochie, a poopy, a peepee, a poopaloo, a poonie nana, a pal and a peach. There's Toadie, Dee Nishi, Dignity, Coochie Snorcher, Cooter, Labby, Gladys Siegelman, Bah, Wee Wee, Horsebot, Nappy Dugout, Mongo, Pajama, Fanny Boo, Mushmallow, Monkey Box, Gooly, Possible, Tamale, Totita, Connie, a Mimi in Miami, a Split Kanish in Philadelphia, and a shmendi in the Bronx. I am worried about vaginas. Some of the monologues are close to verbatim interviews. Some are composite interviews, and with some... I just began with the seed of an interview and had a good time. This monologue is pretty much the way I heard it. Its subject, however, came up in every interview, and often it was fraught. The subject being hair. You cannot love a vagina unless you love hair. Many people do not love hair. My first and only husband hated hair. He said it was cluttered and dirty. He made me shave my vagina. It looked puffy and exposed like a little girl. This excited him. When he made love to my vagina, it felt the way a beard must feel. It felt good to rub it and painful, like scratching a mosquito bite. It felt like it was on fire. There were screaming red bumps. I refused to shave it again. Then my husband had an affair. When we went to marital therapy, he said he screwed around because I wouldn't please him sexually. I wouldn't shave my vagina. The therapist had a thick German accent and she gasped between sentences to show her empathy. She asked me why I didn't want to please my husband sexually, why I didn't want to shave my vagina. I told her I thought it was weird. I felt little when my hair was gone down there, and I couldn't help talking in a baby voice. And the skin got irritated, and even calamine lotion wouldn't help it. She told me that marriage was a compromise. I asked her if shaving my vagina would stop my husband from screwing around. I asked her if she had many cases like this before. She told me that questions diluted the process. She was sure it was a good beginning. I just needed to jump in. This time when we got home, he got to shave my vagina. It was like a therapy bonus prize. He clipped it a few times and there was a little blood in the bathtub. He didn't even notice he was so excited shaving me. Then later, when my husband was pressing against me, I could feel his spiky sharpness sticking into my naked, exposed vagina there was no protection. There was no fluff. I realized then that hair is there for a reason. It's the leaf around the flower. The lawn around the house. You have to love hair in order to love the vagina. You can't pick the part you want. And besides, my husband... He never stopped screwing around.
0: You are listening to a special edition of Your Community Spirit, the show about caring, sharing and preparing for the changes needed in the world as we know it. We were we were are were I are <laughs> playing the vagina monologues well because As part of the 2006 V-Day College Campaign, the students at Southern Illinois University at Carbondale are proud to present a benefit production of the Vagina Monologues to raise awareness and funds for local organizations working to end violence against women and girls. All the money raised will go to the Women's Center
2: here in Carbondale. Yes, Women's Center, a very good local group, and they're doing this. Uh, The Vagina Monologues tickets are $10 for adults. And $5 for students. For more information, you can contact Women's Studies at 618-453-5141 or visit www.vday.org. That's v-day.org. And it's going to be at the Fur Auditorium in Pulliam. And it's on Friday at 7.30 p.m., Saturday at 7.30, and Sunday at 2.30. So I've actually been to one of these before a couple years ago, and it's definitely worth seeing. If you haven't seen it before, especially, but even if you have, you know, it's a little different each time, so definitely worth checking out.
0: And I have never made it. One time, you reminded me I was snowed in. Yeah. Another time, it was sold out. I think that was the first year it was here. Another time, I actually didn't have $10. I spent all day trying to find find everybody who owed me money. Mm -hmm. So... We will be right back after the break with your regular Your Community Spirit.